And because I feel more connected to my body, I also take a lot better care of it. None of my food choices or my movement choices were based on how I could feel better. It was always based on how can I change my body to appear smaller. And so I became accustomed to ignoring my hunger and fullness cues. I became accustomed to ignoring any sort of pain or discomfort I was feeling because I was always just told to push through, push harder. This is the Wilder Wellness Podcast, where we discuss all things body image, intuitive eating, and the wilder sides of wellness. Here we reject the diet culture messages that have kept us tame and preoccupied so we can finally build trust with our bodies, embrace true well-being, and have the confidence to take on any adventure. I'm your host, Kristen Nails, a licensed therapist with a specialty in wilderness therapy. I've spent the last decade dedicating my studies and practice to helping women feel more connected to their bodies, build resiliency, and take up more space on and off of the trail. Tune in each week for new episodes as we chat with wellness professionals, outdoor adventure enthusiasts, and thought leaders that will leave you feeling inspired, connected, and motivated to live a life free from restriction and body shame. You'll receive tangible tools, support, and connection as you take your next steps towards creating a wilder life. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the show. Hi, hello. Welcome back to the Wilder Wellness Podcast. Oh, I don't know about you, but I am pooped. I uh, went to a bachelorette party this past weekend and I definitely felt like a 33-year-old, not a 23-year-old or a 19-year-old or <laughs> any younger version than myself. Like I definitely felt 33. Um, and so today I'm being really gentle with myself and taking it really easy and not putting a ton of expectations on myself. So podcast is coming out a day late, but you know, that's okay. <laughs> Um, but really wanted to make sure that I hopped on this week because the Wilder Wellness Intuitive Eating course actually drops next week. Um, it'll be open for signups on June 5th. And so I really wanted to come on so I could talk about it because I am jazzed and I've been working on this freaking course for a year and I put so much into it. And so I'm really excited to share it with you. It's been a huge labor of love. And it's been really wonderful because I've gotten to reflect on my own journey and dive deeper into some of the principles of intuitive eating along while building this course. And so it's felt really healing along the process <laughs> and very time consuming, but I'm so excited to share. Um, it's finally time. So in this solo episode, I'm really going to be going into my own journey with intuitive eating. And I'm going to be talking about my past relationship with food and body in a pretty personal way. And so if you feel like you're not in a place where you can hear about restriction or over-exercising, like this might not be the episode for you and that's okay. Um, I want you to hit pause and go find like a true crime podcast or a, <laughs> or some sort of like reality TV breakdown podcast, like that's totally fine. Whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, really. Today, I'm going to be talking about my past with 
disordered eating and the things that led up to me really adopting an intuitive eating practice and what's come of that. Next week, I'm going to really dive into what intuitive eating is all about and the more universal benefits of intuitive eating. Um, I think it's can be really impactful to hear a personalized story and also hear the benefits of intuitive eating backed up by research and theory and um, more universal concepts. But to give you a general idea, intuitive eating is the mind-body integration of like our response to hunger and instinct and emotional and rational thoughts. So it's not just all about, I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full because our relationship with food is so much more complicated than that. <laughs> and so intuitive eating is a process of honoring our health by paying attention to the messages of our body and meeting not only our physical needs, but also our emotional needs. Intuitive eating was created by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Fresh. Um, they're both dietitians and they wrote the book. Um, they've written many follow-ups to the book and they've revised their own work and their book as they've you know, leaned more into the anti-diet space, which has been incredible. And while intuitive eating has its own flaws and setbacks, like any sort of protocol, generally what I love about intuitive eating is that it's all about empowering you. Um, it's all about tuning into the signals that your body gives you and not needing to rely on some sort of diet plan or fitness tracker or or professional to tell you how to eat, when to eat, and what's best for your body. It really brings the focus back to you, which I absolutely love. I think the biggest piece that I want people to know about intuitive eating, especially if this is something that you're interested in exploring for yourself, is that it's all about trusting your body and building that body trust, um, which of course can feel really scary right? Because we've lived in a culture where we've been told that it's not okay to listen to our bodies for so long, um, that just simply trusting your body can feel really overwhelming. And, and honestly, that's what led me to creating this course, because I know firsthand how scary it can be. And I also know some of the benefits, which is what I'm going to talk about today. So as I reflect on my relationship with food in my body, things that I want to make very clear from this very moment are I'm not going to be using any sort of numbers. So that includes clothing sizes, calories, or weights. So if you've been listening to this song and you're like, I'm not sure if this is going to be healthy for me, I want you to know that I will never use any sort of number while having this conversation. And overall, I'm going to keep things pretty generalized. So I'm not going to really dive deep into any specific time but instead highlight patterns that I am sure a lot of you can relate to. Because while our relationships with food in our body feels so unique and so isolating, the truth is that so many of our stories feel very similar. And there's a lot of the same narratives and fears in all of us, you know, because we all have grown up in this diet culture filled world. Okay. So let's talk about me, I guess. <laughs> um, I feel like I talk about my body a lot, but it always feels a little vulnerable jumping into these things, but let's do it. So growing up as a therapist now and looking back and reflecting, I definitely grew up having two clinically diagnosable eating disorders. Um, and I'm actually not going to talk about those times because 
if you have a clinically diagnosable eating disorder, intuitive eating might not be what you need at this time. So if you're currently navigating a full-blown eating disorder, I want to let you know that the best course of action is to go find a therapist and a nutrition and look for help and really talk about what sort of care is appropriate for you right now. Figuring things out on your own is going to be really, really hard, um, even with a intuitive eating course or reading the book. Oftentimes with full-blown eating disorders, we need the extra support and accountability that comes from therapy, working with a dietitian, or going to some sort of residential treatment. I actually work for a virtual intensive outpatient program where all of my clients are working through eating disorders and we typically don't let them step into eating intuitively because they do need the structure and the support of a meal plan. And so where I'm going to start is sort of after stepping away from having a very restrictive eating disorder, you know, when I went to college and the way that I would describe my relationship with food in college was very much very restrictive unless I was going to be around other people. Um, thankfully I was around other people often. (laughs) Um, but a lot of the ways that I would view food was trying to, you know, restrict or eat less in order to act normally quote unquote, when I was with other people. And so I was still really hanging on to a lot of those behaviors, but I definitely wanted to, I guess, appear normal to my friends and not have it impact my life the way that it had before. Through having an eating disorder, I really understood how isolating it could be. And I didn't want that to impact my life. Um, And so a lot of my time in college was either like thinking about when am I going to go get food with my friends and how can I make up for that time, quote unquote, make up for that time um, through restriction or over-exercise. And I'd say I lived in that place for a few years um, throughout college, definitely. And, and even a few years after that. Um, And within that time, there'd be periods where that behavior would subside and I would gain weight and then end up compensating for it in some sort of way, either with, you know, over-exercise or extra restriction. So my weight cycling really began in that time. And for those of you who might not know what weight cycling is, it's the act of gaining and losing the same number of pounds again and again. I don't know if any of you have seen that like Instagram post that has gone around the internet that basically says is being an adult, losing and gaining the same 15 pounds over and over again. And that's what weight cycling is. And weight cycling itself, one is annoying and exhausting, right? Because you work really hard to get this weight off and then you gain it back pretty quickly. Um, So one annoying, kind of exhausting because it takes a lot of work to, you know, lose that weight, especially over time. But it's also really hard on our bodies because our bodies are constantly trying to play catch up with like the fluctuations in our diet and how much we move that it can't really get to an equilibrium where it's just like, where it knows how to support us best. So this period of secret restriction, which is what I'm going to call this and weight cycling continued probably until around like 23. Um, and that's when I started working outside as a guide, um, 
for the first time. And this is really where I started to believe that the outdoors had really healed my relationship with food in my body. Um, I really clung on to that idea because this was really the first time where I was in my body in a way that felt joyful, you know, so I was outside hiking a lot and working outside and making a difference by like teaching kids about trees and making friends and feeling really free in my body. And because I was constantly moving and working and burning calories, my stress around eating um, decreased. And also because I was working at basically like a year long camp, I was basically put on a meal plan. I didn't have that much control over what I ate. And so this was the first time that I also had to release a lot of control of the grasp I had around food. And in these early stages of recovery for me, I really felt like it was a positive mindset for me to believe that food equaled fuel. That was really helpful for me at the time because I knew that I had to have energy for, you know, a long hike, teaching, uh, playing games, all of these things that your body does need a lot of energy for. And so, you know, it was really easy for me to sit down, eat meals, have snacks throughout the day and not think about it too much. However, this idea sort of became problematic over time because in order for me to feel good about eating, that means not having any sort of guilt or shame around eating food. I would physically need to be moving my body for a certain amount of time every single day in order for me to feel like quote unquote worthy of eating. And for anyone who's found themselves in a similar position, this actually isn't very sustainable. Even if you've spent time working as a guide in the outdoors, that period of time actually isn't going to last forever. And eventually you're going to get burnt out and you're going to want to sleep in a house. (laughs) You're going to want to do your laundry. You're going to want to do like things like making dinner and having friends that feel consistent and not living in this like seasonal guide lifestyle. Um, I've gone through this and just about every single person I've worked with has gone through this as, you know, we've grown up a little bit. But I stayed in this place of believing that food equaled fuel for a number of years um, and really preached that (laughs) that the outdoors were what healed me from my eating disorder and, you know, kind of shouted it from the rooftops because I believed it so hard. And the funny thing was when I started graduate school and was actually forced to slow down And not only not move as much because I was in school, but also sit with my feelings instead of running from them all the time, (laughs) I realized that there was actually a lot more work to be done. My graduate program was amazing. Um, I went to Naropa University for their wilderness therapy program. And a huge part of the draw is that you spend the entire second year of your studies Um, basically traveling with your cohort and going to different outdoor locations and learning how to do different wilderness interventions, like deep in the forest in Colorado or in the valleys of Utah or climbing or climbing up in Wyoming. There was all these really amazing places that we visited. And when I signed up for the program, I had assumed that it was going to be really active. And While we were doing small movements, I was used to hiking, you know, a 
a certain amount of miles every single day. And a lot of what we did in this program was sit and talk about our feelings or sit and learn new concepts. And so as I was engaged in this program, I noticed my anxiety building around the lack of control I had around food, but then also the lack of movement I was getting. And I feel like that's important to point out is like how much anxiety would show up when I wasn't either able to exercise or have full control over my meals. Um, If that's something that you experience, that is a clue that maybe looking at your relationship with food in your body is important right now. (laughs) But in reflecting on it, I definitely noticed how much that came up. And so what my relationship with food looked like at that point was I would go and I would spend a week with my cohort somewhere in the mountains. And then as soon as I would return, I would go back to being really restrictive with my diet and then working out, you know, sometimes multiple times every single day um, in order to make up for those times. And the more that I would do that, I would have these really restrictive off weeks and then go work with my school and then respond to the deprivation I just put myself through. So I would be sitting and eating like entire bags of trail mix to myself because I was so hungry from the week before. And this was sort of like the time I gave myself to let loose. And so from a really zoomed out outside perspective, what I was really engaged in was a binge and restrict cycle that happened again and again. And so while I was really preaching like freedom from eating disorders and feeling really good in my relationship with food, it was because when I was outside, I was still letting myself eat as much as I wanted and I felt really good about it. But then whenever I wasn't in the outdoors is when I was feeling really restrictive. And so it kind of sucked. It was like, well, when I'm outside, I feel great in my body. I can eat whatever. I feel strong and I give myself lots of compassion and comfort. But when I'm like in front country and when I'm in town, I'm I'm pushing myself to these extremes. And so I really created this narrative that my relationship with food was only okay when I was outside. And I would say that I stayed in this cycle for a while, probably a long time, a number of years, because after graduate school, I'm I went and worked as a guide and so had the same sort of week on week off schedule. And I would say the combination of both the intensity of the emotional work and the intensity of not having any sort of control (laughs) around food and movement for me were so bad that at that point, like I sort of had to flee. And this was like a pretty common pattern for me is that when I get really uncomfortable or when something isn't working, rather than like trying to sit down and figure it out, I had a pattern of leaving, whether that was moving across the country and like totally changing my life, planning a huge road trip. The way that I would fix my problems was by switching up things completely. And so there have been a couple of times where I've actually used escapism, like that act of fleeing and going on a large adventure sort of as an excuse to push my body to extremes, whether it be through hiking or, you know, working out before some big travel event. And so that's sort of my quick fix when I feel either uncomfortable in my body or uncomfortable with emotions without going into like too many details about my story. Basically like after escaping and pushing my body to extremes and hiking and continuing to like live in this like sort of like weight fluctuating area, I ended up moving back to where I currently live, Bend, and started working and really felt like I had found a groove of 
creating community, being at work, socializing, and, you know, Bend is a really amazing place to find like lots of places to go hiking. Um, there's lots of different opportunities for recreation. And so I felt like I like had found this groove of living my life, but then constantly going out and pushing my body in pretty extreme ways. Also, while having a pretty, all while sort of doing that, be really strict on the weekdays and sort of feel like I was out of control on the weekends. So again, continuing to do this like sort of like binge and restrict cycle. And the binge and restrict cycle, especially like when it's on a week to week basis seems pretty normalized, right? Like I'm sure that either you or someone you know has that sort of style of eating where on the weekdays they're very regimented and then on the weekends they sort of like let loose. And depending on your relationship with food that can varying degrees of extremes. And for me, it it felt pretty extreme if I'm going to be totally honest, (laughs) especially on the weekends where there were holidays, when I had visitors, or if there was like some sort of like large event, it was sort of like my excuse to go all out. And at the end of the weekends just felt so full of shame and guilt and, you know, started to think like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I have any sort of control over what I do on the weekends? Like there was a lot of guilt and shame around it. And so this was sort of my style of eating for a while um, until until a number of years ago, I experienced two rather large events within the same week. Um, I ended up breaking my ankle while I was out skiing. And then a few days later, my father passed away unexpectedly. And so as I was working through a major tragedy and easily the most life-altering experience I've ever had, I also was unable to engage in pretty much the only coping mechanism I had created for myself, which was movement. And so that's a huge part of the reason why I'm so cautious. You know, when I work with my clients now is that like, yes, the outdoors are amazing and they can help you create a really supportive relationship with your body where you can start to feel really grateful for all the things that it can do but only relying on movement and exercise and being outside to feel okay with yourself is really dangerous because you might experience an injury your life might change and you might need to move to somewhere where you don't have access and so that's why it's really important for us to sort of diversify the ways that we take care of ourselves. And so when this happened, I didn't really have a lot of options and was extremely overwhelmed and leaned on food and like drinking beers, like pretty hard. And I think for me, there was always this idea that I was going to make up for it. You know, that I was like some, somehow going to like go through this period, but then, you know, the next month my, my leg would get better and I'd go out and go hiking But I found that like through this process, I kept trying to exercise this injury and would keep re-injuring myself again and again and again to the point where I really started to realize, like, I think that I actually might not be doing okay. And as someone who has been promoting, you know, body positivity on the internet, that was really difficult for me to come to terms with. And so I feel like I really found intuitive eating when I didn't have a lot of options It was like a full come to Jesus moment where I was like, well, I don't really, I can't keep doing what I'm doing because I keep re-injuring myself or like 
feeling like garbage every time I wake up and like, that's not very much fun. And it just became so apparent to me how, how unsustainable my relationship with food and exercise had become and how much of a cycle it really was. And I was exhausted and was really ready to like open my arms and do something different. So I began my intuitive eating journey, you know, by, by diving into a lot of learning. I started listening to every podcast imaginable around intuitive eating. I got really into like listening to things like food psych (laughs) and hearing the stories of other people who had been on similar journeys. This research actually encouraged me. This research actually inspired me to go back and continue my learning around eating disorders, disordered eating, um, and health at every size. I got really turned on to that work in a really big way and actually and engaged in another year of learning through Be Nourished um, and, and work towards a body trust provider certification. It was through this work that I really like leaned into the anti-diet space and really learned a lot about diet culture and how pervasive it really is and all the places that it shows up, even the unexpected places. And I got really fired up. <laughs> um, and, this, and this was really healing. I have really started to externalize all of the guilt and anger and shame that I used to place on my body. And so my body would just be holding all of this responsibility and blame for the things that weren't going right in my life. And now through doing this work, I'm actually able to externalize this anger and be like, wait a second, it's really fucked up that we live in a culture that's really disconnected us from our bodies. And I've been able to look at that. And so when I am feeling uncomfortable or feeling those feelings of guilt or shame, I can be like, wait, why, why do I feel like this? And where is this coming from? Rather than just jumping to blaming my body for everything. And as I was navigating the anti-diet space, it was really the first time that I realized that anti-diet doesn't necessarily mean free for all (laughs) and being totally out of control around food. It's not either you're on a diet or you're not on a diet. It's actually rejecting the idea that like you're either being good or bad when it comes to eating and that there can be a way that you can peacefully have relationship with food and you don't need to be constantly stuck in this all or nothing mind fuck of a place. You know, in the first few principles are usually the hardest for everyone. They were definitely hard for me. And I think it's because the challenge is really rejecting the diet mentality without feeling like you're totally out of control and immediately returning to behaviors or patterns of restriction after maybe allowing yourself to eat. And I would say that one of the most important aspects of any, any intuitive eating practice is practicing compassion and coming back and treating yourself with respect, even on the nights that you did eat more than you wanted to, or noticing that you have engaged in restriction. And instead of shaming yourself and saying, screw it, just being like, it's okay. We're going to mess up. Let's keep going. Intuitive eating is definitely not about being perfect. And what I can say is that the more that you practice this and the more that you dedicate yourself to it, the less extremes that you're going to feel. 
on those pizza nights, you're not going to feel like it's the last time you're going to eat pizza. So you're not going to eat so much that you feel sick the next day. You know, it becomes a lot easier to, to eat in a way that feels sustainable and not either eating so little that you feel really restricted or eating so much that you feel really full and uncomfortable. And what's really important to note around restriction and binging is that binging actually isn't the problem. And it's not necessarily a problem with your willpower. It's that the binging and like the overeating is coming from a place of not eating enough throughout the week. You feel out of control because you're hungry, because you've denied yourself of pleasure and satisfaction throughout the week. And so this is your one time to get it. Um, there's lots of reasons why you might feel out of control with food after restricting for a certain amount of time. So really intuitive eating is about rejecting the good versus bad and just like letting food be a part of your life instead of focusing all of your attention on it all of the time. You know, and through my next stages of intuitive eating, I really learned how to bring more coping skills into my life. I learned how to engage in pleasure and satisfaction on a more daily basis in ways that involve food and ways that don't. I've really learned how to connect to my emotions, which has been really cool um, rather than like numbing it out with exercise or restriction or feeling like I need to blame my body for any emotion that comes up. I actually like allow myself to sit with them and respond in whatever way feels good. You know, so sometimes if I'm having a hard day, I'll rest. Sometimes if I'm having a hard day, like maybe I need to take a walk or call a friend, or maybe I do need to sit down and eat something really comforting. And I don't just rely on one coping skill. And through intuitive eating, I've really made peace with my relationship to exercise. You know, I really used to believe that I like needed to be outside all day, every day, you know, to quote unquote, earn my food. <laughs> um, and also like prove to the world that I was outdoorsy because like that identity was really important to me. And now I move because it's a huge part of like how I feel good. And I don't feel stress or guilt or shame if I'm unable to, you know, go outside for the day. I get really serious about what do I actually want to do? Not for how many calories it's going to burn or how cool it's going to look on the internet. It's like really about like, what is going to help my body feel good. And so really at the end of the day, it all comes back to what is going to help my body feel good. And that includes nutrition, which is really sweet to now have this different relationship with food where, you know, like my eating actually doesn't look that much different or that drastically different. I'm just not oscillating between two extremes all of the time, you know? So I'm not having these periods where I'm only eating, you know, kale and chicken <laughs> or other periods where I'm only eating like beer and pizza, because for me, it was always all or nothing. And so now it looks a lot more like I'm choosing foods that help me feel good, that help me show up throughout the day. And I really honor my cravings. And so like, if I want pizza, cool, I'll have pizza. If I want a beer, I'll have a beer. If I want a cookie, I'll have the cookie, but I can do it, move on with my life instead of like feeling like I need to eat as many as I can because it's the last time I'm going to allow myself to have them.
or because I'm telling myself that tomorrow I'm going to eat nothing to make up for it. And it is truly peaceful and truly liberating and life-changing. And I think the big thing that's changed for me is how present I am. I'm far more present in my relationships. I'm far more present, you know, in my work life um, and present in the relationship that I have with myself, you know, because for a really long time, I was always just thinking about food, whether it was like what I was going to eat, what I wasn't going to eat or how I was going to burn it off through exercise. Um, my, my mind was pretty much always there and it feels really good to be in a place where food can exist and I can exist. And it's something that I love and I get a lot of pleasure and satisfaction from, and it also doesn't take over my life. And that feels amazing. And because I feel more connected to my body, I also take a lot better care of it. None of my food choices or my movement choices were based on how I could feel better. It was always based on how can I change my body to appear smaller. And so I became accustomed to ignoring my hunger and fullness cues. I became accustomed to ignoring any sort of pain or discomfort I was feeling because I was always just told to push through, push harder, ignore the hunger. And so through this process, I've really tuned in to the signals from my body. And that has been amazing (laughs) and scary at times, you know, because I think for the first time I'm actually responding to some of the pain. And so I've actually leaned more into the health and wellness realm because I want to feel good, you know? And so I've started going to different doctors and figuring out like, Hey, like, I don't actually feel very good. What could be the cause? Like what's going on? And I've gotten more curious about it. And I think what's sort of the kicker at the end of this is like, I recently got labs done, which I've avoided getting my labs done for a number of reasons, mostly because I have like a huge needle phobia, (laughs) but in getting my lab work done, I was able to see that like, I actually am very deficient in a lot of really essential vitamins and nutrients because of a lot of the crazy diet rules that I've been following, you know, like from years of being told that I wasn't allowed to eat certain things because I was always so afraid of the sugar content in certain pieces of fruit that I, I've basically cut out a lot of variety from my diet, leaving me super deficient in a lot of essential vitamins. And so through this process, I've been actually been able to incorporate more diversity into my diet, which has been really fun. And I actually feel amazing. And without engaging in intuitive eating, I don't think I would have ever slowed down enough to actually listen to my body to learn that there was something going on. And the funniest thing of all is like right now, I feel like I have the most control I ever have around my relationship with food and movement and my body where, you know, for what feels like a lifetime, that's what I've been searching for through different diets and protocols. And now I'm totally like letting go. And now because I've connected more with myself and relied less on other people and, you know, certain diet plans or apps or trackers, I feel empowered and I trust myself for like the first time ever. And that feels really good. And so if you've been listening today and you're like, wow, I resonate with a lot of these behaviors or patterns and I'm ready to try something different. I'm just so over feeling like I'm constantly in like a push and pull with my relationship with my body, then maybe intuitive eating's for you. And so I encourage you to check out the Wilder Wellness Intuitive Eating Program. 
I'm so excited about it. It comes out June 5th. And for the first week, you get $200 off. So the course is only $297 and you can pay that um, all at once or you can pay installments of $50. It's gonna be amazing. I'm so excited. The course is 11 modules and it also gives you access to monthly support calls. So you don't feel like you have to do this alone and you don't feel like you have to figure everything out yourself and you can get support along the way because it is a pretty emotional journey. Um, and it's so worth it. And I'm so excited for you to try it out. I hope that you took something from this episode or that you finished listening to this and you might feel a little less alone in your own journey, or maybe it gives you hope that things could be different, even if now's not the time or you're not ready quite yet. I want you to know that I'm here for you whenever you do feel ready and there's absolutely no rush. All right. I will talk to you next week. I hope you all have a restful weekend. That's what I will be doing. (laughs) And uh, I will see you then. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wilder Wellness Podcast. If you loved this episode, head on over to rate and subscribe. New episodes drop each week. I can't wait to catch up with you on and off of the trail. See you then.